Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're gonna show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. And this is uncomfortable. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you have an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of us at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at Uncomfortable65. And most importantly, please share the show with others and make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. Those are the main ways you can help in getting the show out in front of more people. And with that, the more people listening means more great guests coming forward with their experiences to share with you guys. I've got some ideas. Big announcements after the first of the year. Actually, on the first of the year, we will be launching the Uncomfortable Discord server. So, if you're interested in that, keep your eyes open. It will be for everyone. So, as soon as I have the link to that, I will be announcing it and posting it on all of our social media. Please jump in, take advantage of it. You guys are a wonderful community. And I just can't help but feel like I've been selfish in keeping you all to myself. So I would like to give you guys the opportunity to engage with each other. Also, I think the intro to the show is getting a little stale. The quotes from different guests in different shows. I've been running that for quite a while. I like that format and I want to continue to do that. But 
I'd like your help with it. So what I'd like from you guys are suggestions on your favorite guest quotes or statements from previous episodes that I can cut up and fit in to fill those spots. I want to replace the ones that are currently running with ones that you, the community, have suggested. So think about it. Reach back out to me via email at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com and let me know what your choices are. Not sure where to start with tonight's guest. She has a relation to this show. Uh, I'll let her get into that in a little bit. Um, She seems to be going through what many of you out there are going through, and I guess it would most easily be explained as some sort of an awakening. She's battled it. She's fought it. She has continued to deny it um, until fairly recently. I tried to get her on the show quite some time ago. Apparently there was no interest, but now that she has come to terms with her new realization, uh, she has decided to join us, thankfully. Um, Also, she has had a couple of experiences where she has witnessed what seems to be something imitating poorly at that human being. I can't wait to hear about that. So, let's get into it. Please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Rebecca. Rebecca, welcome to Uncomfortable. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. Glad to finally have you on. Yes. It, um, it yeah, seems, you, you. It seems <laughs> like uh, okay. So let me give a little context to this. Uh, we're yeah. we're recording uh, on the twenty ninth of October. And you were were able to listen to the episode that dropped the week before, earlier this week. Yeah, earlier this week. Um, called Nephilim Portal Babies. That's the big swap cast that we did with Tony Markle and the, the guys from Kill the Mockingbirds, Joel Thomas and Justin and Jay from Cryptids of the Corn. Um God love you, you get a gold star because you managed to get through all four and a half hours of that, Um, (laughs) which I really, I really, when looking at the analytics uh, for that show, um, you can usually find uh, the, the percentage of, of the show that's been listened to by each listener. And, you know, uh, rarely do you get a hundred percent. Usually it's in the 70 to 85, 87% of, uh, of the total show listened to that episode. I figured there would be a huge drop off just because the sheer number of hours that we recorded, you know, almost four and a half hours. Um, I expected there to be a a significant drop off after like two hours of it and people just being like, man, I can't do this anymore. Um, (laughs) but based on the analytics, I have to say, I am shocked. Uh, A lot of people have gotten through uh, the vast majority of that. 
and and you managed to to get through it as well so there's a gold star for you um but you have you have some connections uh through that show uh, some things that um kind of resonated with you that you heard through that we're going to get into that later on um but you you first came to my knowledge uh through through a previous guest uh early on in this in the history of the show um do, would you like to get into that or should we leave that kind yes. of anomalous i would love to get into that because that guest is one of my favorite people of all time <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> and i have to say she she is a she's a lovely soul i have enjoyed continuing to have um a relationship with her and conversations throughout uh since her appearing on the show she's just a She's a breath of fresh air, and I certainly do enjoy the conversations that we've had. She is very much a deep thinker. And uh, go ahead and tell people how your uh, how your association with that person. So uh, anybody who's a fan of your show, and I know that there are people that uh, this person actually sticks in their mind because she is a beautiful soul. She and and I I know I am biased, but. Uh, she, if I were a stranger and I were to meet her, I would think she's just as beautiful. And that is my daughter, Emily. And I don't recall what episodes she was on. Um, there was two of them. I believe there were two of them. I don't remember the numbers, but, uh, the first one was called third times a charm. Yes. And the second one, uh, a few months later, I believe was called, uh, the Hulkland files. Yes. So Emily is my daughter and uh, she asked me <laughs> to, uh, if I would like to be on your show, just to kind of discuss some of the theories that um, I have shared with her and my experiences, but also, you know, because she had, you know, special abilities since she was very, very young, about two. Um, at that time, I was really going through a lot um, personally with, um losing a friend of ours and things like that. So I wasn't quite ready, but now I feel is the perfect time. <laughs> so here we are. Um, she, uh, oh. she, she had mentioned you a long time ago. Um, yeah. After our recordings. And she, she had suggested to me that she thought you would make a good, uh, a good guest on the show because, <laughs> yeah. because you had had a number of, of things happen throughout your life. And yeah. I was completely open to talking to you. Um, <laughs> but at the time she seemed to think that there was, there was some kind of a, um, let's call it a blockage on, on your end, uh, that you would not be, uh, you would not be open to, um, coming onto a show and talking about this stuff. Um, right. And and I understood what she said, you know, and I and I respected that, you know, I wasn't going to press the issue to try to force her to do it. Um, but you know, throughout throughout the year that we've we've continued to have communication, um, we've had other conversations about you, and it it seems and correct me if I'm wrong, but throughout the last twelve months or so. Um, I'm not exactly sure when the, the last of her episodes came out again. Um, it seems that through communication with her, 
she has had a an opinion about your your acceptance of things and your your understanding of things that you've experienced has begun to kind of open you you've become more aware and more open to the things that are going on in a way that you're you're looking at them in a positive light now rather than uh, <laughs> trying to trying to dismiss them or trying to ignore them right um, so and here we are yes okay and the weird yeah. thing is that i kind of always fully expected to end up hearing from you <laughs> yeah. you know i, I really did <laughs> I, I i thought at some point not like i was going to wear you down or anything because we literally <laughs> right. literally had, not, had no communication between you and i um, right. And I wasn't pastoring your daughter. Um, but when I got the email from you, I was, I was surprised yet not surprised if that makes any sense. It does. It does make sense. Timing is everything. <laughs> Timing is everything. And, and here's the weird thing about that. And then I'm going to shut up and I'm gonna let you talk, <laughs> but, okay. um, there's so many, uh, if you pay attention to my show at all and the, the course of what the topic is, um, you'll, you'll see that earlier in, in the, in the show, you know, there was a segment of time where I was talking to people where stuff was more spiritually based hauntings, light workers, um, people who are, um, Reiki masters and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and then things really kind of tapered off of that and started moving more into, Bigfoot and you know I wasn't specifically going after Bigfoot but I wasn't upset about it either because that's a that's a big uh, it's a big topic for me personally and I enjoy the subject and I was in the midst of promoting Bigfoot and Brews which is the first Bigfoot conference that I hosted uh, back in September so I certainly wasn't looking to, you know, avoid that topic at all. In fact, I was trying to generate interest because I thought the the conference was going to be something that people would enjoy. And, you know, I wanted to help get the word out and make it successful. And, and it was. Um, but since then, it seems that we have, again, shifted into a number of people who are talking about their, uh, and this word comes up a lot, about an awakening that's taking place. And now I'm not, I'm not talking about being woke right. you know, that, that you hear about on so many other podcasts. I'm talking about, um, what would be considered, a, an awakening of, of a spiritual nature. And that has become a pretty popular topic as of late. Yes. And it all seems to kind of be tied together and in some way, shape, and form, kind of culminated, at least temporarily, in in the episode that aired just before this, which was the Portal Nephilim Babies with uh, Tony Merkel and the crew that I mentioned earlier. Um, and that seems to be touching a lot of people. And I'm getting a lot of I'm getting a lot of input from people who have listened to that and it seems like a lot of people are going through what you would consider an awakening. So yes, now, I, I now I'm going to shut up and, yeah. and the floor is yours. 
Uh, okay, so <laughs> I don't know where you want me to start. Do you want me to start with the awakening, or do you want me to start at the beginning of my experiences, which would be around age five? But it all kind of ties together. So yeah, I think start from the beginning and and work your way sure. to present day. Sure. Okay. So <laughs> we're gonna start off with my family background a little bit and how I. Uh, my family, and I think this is true for most people, uh, they were raised on their beliefs and being open to anything other than what they could see or feel or hear, you know, with their regular senses, um, that was accepted and anything beyond that, you know, you didn't question and, and you didn't bring it up and you were being silly or unrealistic. And I heard that a lot as a child that I was unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't mention anything probably after the age of seven or eight is when I really got the message from my family that this is not something they wanted to hear. So I kind of closed everything off, but at the age of five, I had a lot of experiences that um, I changed into a storyline that was acceptable. Um, so I'm five years old and I've always had trouble sleeping. I'm not sure why, but I, I remember being awake and we lived in an apartment building and it was my mom and my sister and I, and I'm looking out the window. And at this time, my sister and I have separate like separate twin beds and they weren't like bunk beds or anything. We did end up getting bunk beds, which will be like a major part of my whole story. But if, um, if I, I if I can interrupt real quick, you said yeah. bunk beds. Yeah. Did, did not Emily and her sister have bunk beds? They did. And that's when a lot of her experiences started uh, too. <laughs> the demonic yeah. bunk beds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, please, please tell me those weren't the same bunk beds that you had as a child. They were not. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. But, I'm sorry. But uh, I'm looking out the window and it's dark and I see this very, very, very bright, large light coming toward the apartment building I lived in and the window that I'm looking out. And I am thinking, you know, I'm only five and... I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's a shooting star. I have to make a wish on a star because I learned that from my grandma recently. You know, you wish on a shooting star. So I make this wish, and this light is so huge and so bright, and I'm not afraid because I, it, I'm just thinking, oh, a shooting star, and I can't even fathom that it could be anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and so that star was so bright, and it, basically stopped in front of the building and it filled the entire room with so much light. It was like daylight. And, you know, I don't think anything of it. Like it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I just, okay, that's really cool. Around this time I start sleepwalking a lot where I end up outside and neighbors are finding me outside and they go to take me back to the apartment and my mother has to unlock the door to let me in. So how did I get out 
through the locked door. I have no idea. I don't know if my mother even considered that herself because it was never really talked about. And if I had to stay over at a neighbor's house because my mom had to work late or something, I recall my neighbor sleeping in the living room to make sure I didn't walk out of the apartment. So this went on for, for quite a while. And I do remember waking up outside when a neighbor would find me or whatever and take me back to the apartment. But um, I don't recall how long that went on, but I know it didn't continue after we left that apartment complex. The sleepwalking stopped. Yeah. Um, we moved um, around the time I was six years old and we lived a little further um, to the east, I believe. And again, there was this huge bright light that filled my bedroom, which I shared with my sister. And now we have bunk beds. <laughs> so I can remember it so clearly, but this time I was very afraid. And the reason I was afraid was these little beings I thought were leprechauns had come into my room and were trying to take my sister. And I recall fighting them so that they could not take my sister. I mean, I, I thought this was a nightmare for a long time. And the more things that progressed recently, the more I realized it was not really a nightmare. <laughs> leprechauns. That's, that's an interesting, uh, why, why do you think your mind went to leprechauns? I, well, I know now what it was back then. That was something that wasn't so prevalent in, in mainstream. Um, you know, it, Aliens were not really something that I had ever heard of, ever. I didn't know what to call what was there. And they were short, and they had these bowler hat things on that, I guess, reminded me of leprechauns. And that's the only thing I could associate with what I was seeing and what I was fighting off. And I was fighting very hard. And I remember that stuck with me so deeply. I remembered it my whole life. Um, to have a nightmare, which I thought it was, you know, for years, stick with you like that. Um, it, it just seems unreal to me that it would affect me so deeply. And as time went on and these experiences happened again, and actually one of my children witnessed the leprechaun, <laughs> um, I realized that it was not just a nightmare, that it was something that had happened. And I don't believe that they took my sister anywhere. I think that she had the bottom bunk and I had the top bunk. And so my sister started sleeping in the same bunk with me um, after that. And for a lot of years after that, because we were too afraid to be separated. <laughs> uh Anyway, she doesn't have any memories of anything like that. So no, I don't. No memories whatsoever. None. None. The, the, uh, why was she scared? I because they were trying to take her, <laughs> and I was fighting. I was fighting them off, and 
I don't know why they were trying to take her. I don't remember being taken myself. I just know I was fighting fiercely for her. And she has no recollection of this event at all. And later in life, um, my, my daughter had seen, not Emily, my other daughter, had seen one of these bowler hat beings, very short, standing behind my door of my bedroom. <laughs> and she told me about it, and I instantly knew it was the being from when I was a kid. Yeah. Can I, can I get you to, you know, you, you've, you've said it a couple of times now that yeah. they appeared like they had bowler hats on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a strange description for, yeah. for extraterrestrial. <laughs> um, like literally with a brim and, and everything or. Yes. Yes. They had hats with, you know, bowler hats with a brim and they were not tall. Like you hear all of these other accounts. They were short. They were very short. I mean, probably between three and a half to four and a half feet tall. They were not tall. And actually the one that my daughter had seen behind my bedroom door was the same house that Emily had the encounter in her bunk bed. Really? With the hand that reached over the railing. But those ones were tall. <laughs> so I don't know why I saw these short ones. <laughs> I and and that's how I can describe it. That's that's all I have. That's all the information I have there on that. Mm. Um but for years I thought it was a nightmare. And then I had an experience later on that made me realize that that was not a nightmare, that it was something that happened. And I don't know why I was so fearful, but I was. <laughs> so I don't recall any incidents after that for a very long time, as far as that part of my childhood. I do remember questioning a lot of things, um, such as, you know, my religious teachings. I, I questioned my grandmother about a lot of things, and she was very Catholic. <laughs> so when I would question things, I was around eight, age eight, she would tell me I was a pagan. <laughs> oh, jeez. And, and so I just learned not to say anything anymore. And... I never understood why I was questioning so much that other people did not. And I kind of just buried it all. And when Emily started displaying her abilities for seeing things beyond our world, I knew that I couldn't do that to her. So I was as supportive as I could be without, you know, encouraging a whole lot because I didn't really know how to deal with the situation, but I did take into account the things she told me. And later on, I would, you know, go back and tell her all of the things that she had discussed with me. Um, but throughout my childhood, different things would happen 
And that made no sense to me at the time, but makes sense to me now. And one of the things that I believe that we're all given information for us to use um, to give us clues on where we're supposed to be going in our lives and the direction we're supposed to be um, going as far as our purpose. So when I was around 15 years old, uh, I had gone to visit my mother and my stepdad and he had these books and I, I loved to read. I always did. And he had this book on astral projection and I'd never heard of such a thing. And I read the book of all the books that were there. I could read, I picked this one and I read it. <laughs> um, and looking back now, I was always pointed in the direction that there's something more and, it, and this is something I need to look into and figure out about myself. Why, why were all of these laid out before me, all these clues? And I still haven't, you know, mastered astral projection in any way, but actually I'm a little fearful of that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm one of the biggest chickens in the world. <laughs> and, um, but looking back and all the interests I had on different things that were outside of what I was taught as a kid. And I always felt different and I always felt kind of weird in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, so I held back and, um, I would have these crazy, very vivid dreams where they didn't make any sense to me at the time. And then as this journey happened and, and went forward, uh, they, everything started to piece together. So I would have this reoccurring dream of walking through the snow and I would come to this door and I would go inside this like hut type thing and I would go inside and there would be like just a fire and it wasn't like super bright in there but it was not so dim I couldn't see what was in there and there was a lot of um like plants hanging drying so herbs and stuff I was assuming, and I would come face to face with this medicine man. And this medicine man, I could feel such a deep connection to this person that it was like finding a long lost family member or love. And, and I felt a lot of love for this medicine man. And I could feel that coming back to me from him. Do you have and, do you have ties to Native American in your blood? I, I do. Okay. And actually, um, a big name here is the city of Petoskey. So, the city of Petoskey was named after Chief Ignatius Petoskey, and he had a number of children, and his great granddaughter was named Valida Petoskey, who happened to be my great-grandmother. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. So, cool. yes. 
Um, I don't know a whole lot about the history of the Odawa tribe, but I do have a feeling that there is a connection there with that medicine man. And I do feel that that medicine man is, has been with me my whole life. Um, and I kind of get the feeling that's why my interest in holistic healing is so strong. Yeah. Petoskey, what a great town. It is. It's beautiful. It is. It is. <laughs> the bay there is just gorgeous. Um, yeah. It, it's unfortunate. I know it's a comes with the times, but it's become so developed now along the uh, yeah. the shores there of the of the bay. And I can remember being in Petoskey as a young as a young boy on vacation, and that whole area that's now just townhouses and uh, you know different complexes. That none of that was there, and it was just a beautiful, serene view of of the bay. Uh, it's yeah. still a beautiful place, but now it's 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 grown considerably. It it is, and that's that's one of the things that you know is is very hard for me. Living in Michigan, I love all of the Great Lakes that are surrounding us, and I have a big connection with the the water. And anytime anything is you know not going great in my life I journey to what I call big water therapy <laughs> and just sitting along the shoreline and just breathing in that air and the sound of the waves and that water it mm-hmm. just it does something for your soul it, it does, really does you know and and I just had like this little epiphany uh, this has never dawned on me until this point and if you pay any attention to my show, you'll realize that even though I have some episodes that stem from Texas or, you know, other other different states, um, the vast majority of the people who have been guests on my show are related to Michigan. Yes. 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 And I wonder, you know, I used to always just look at it because of my close proximity to to Michigan, but... It becomes it comes to be a, a a point of almost contention with some of the listeners. It's like, hey, I'm in Michigan too. You know, I live right on the opposite side of the state line. I live in Indiana, but I am like a stone's throw literally from the state line. And, right. And I've said this multiple times. Every you know, when I turn out of my neighborhood, ninety uh, percent of the time I'm turning right and going into Michigan to do the fun stuff. I turn left to go into Indiana to to work, but you know most yeah. of my most most of my enjoyment is in Michigan, and I I do feel at some point I'll return to Michigan as a as a place to live, um, and I wonder you know so many people have had so many odd experiences and and all of the things related. Oftentimes, when you start talking or reading or researching paranormal stuff, a lot of things have to do with being in the area of large bodies of water. And, and it just kind of dawned on me. It's like, is the, is Michigan that active and, and open to because of the number of bodies of water that surround literally the entire state on all but one side? 
that. And the amount of inland bodies of water. Yeah. I I do believe full heartedly that water is a very big conduit for spiritual activity. Um, and my experience of where I live right now is very much proof of that to me. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That just just now dawned on me. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to take anything away from what you were saying. No, it was just it was, it was kind of a point. kind of a crystal bullet right through my brain at the moment. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I I totally agree with that, and I I think anybody who would really like you know to get deep within themselves go to any body of water it doesn't have to be one of the great lakes or or one in michigan but definitely um water is healing and i think it you know it heals so many things that we can't see and it it just kind of brings you back to who you are supposed to be within yourself but yeah so that's my ties with Native American, and I'm very proud of that. And it's funny how some of it comes back to me um, through messages from other people. And uh, recently, I had somebody um, tell me that I have a protective necklace and that I need to wear it. And I had asked her to clarify it because I have a couple necklaces that I um, where frequently and neither one of the necklaces were that what she described and I was thinking about it and I knew exactly what she meant finally after I just sat for a minute and thought and it was actually this pendant of that my husband has of a Petoskey stone <laughs> <sighs> and she described it so completely to me and I had not even thought to wear it because it was it's kind of heavy <laughs> but I have been wearing it since she told me and it's less heavy now that I'm used to it <laughs> do but, me do me a favor and uh for the listeners um go ahead and tell them who who that was that suggested that you look for that necklace because in a weird way maybe not so weird in in a in a very um decided way i think this person's appearance on my show was destined to happen i absolutely agree (laughs) and and i've had a number of people a number of people who have reached out to this this person um outside of my show and have consulted with her and and as have to my knowledge found great uh great meaning in the things that she has had to say for them so please tell everybody who that was i will and she is beautiful lovely somebody that you want definitely on your side because she is an amazing person and that guest is jj rose 777 and i adore her (laughs) it is the response to that woman for somebody who has not been looking for any kind of limelight, who was, you know, simply putting out videos on, on YouTube that don't even have her in it. They're just audio. Right. Um, 
the the reaction that we have gotten from having her on the show has been tremendous. And uh, my personal interactions with her, I will say, have been um, jaw-dropping at times. Yes. And um, it, it really has... <clears throat> open my open my my beliefs that that something is going on with myself as well um, I agree <laughs> it's it's something that I've never really thought about much as far as my own uh, I don't even want to use the word abilities because I don't think it's that um, she's she's if you haven't heard the episode, go back and listen to the episode with JJ Rowe 777. I believe the name of the episode is uh, Spiritual uh, Fortification. Um, I believe it's episode 84. 84. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, so it, she, it, will touch, she will touch your life. And I am so thankful that she is in my life and that I can go to her when I have doubts and fears and she without hesitation tells me what I need to do and how to protect myself. And she is so kind and so loving and you just feel how much she loves this world and the people in it and, and her concern for all, where it's going. Yes. And we are all very lucky to have her here. That is for sure. Yeah. She's a, she's a gem. That's for sure. She is. Absolutely. So yes, she told me about my protection necklace and I do wear it all the time. And, and it was, it was just so profound to me. And when I told Emily, um, that it was a Petoskey stone, she said it's ancestral protection. And I said, it absolutely is. <laughs> absolutely is ancestral protection. And I'm grateful. <laughs> so grateful because I have been experiencing a lot of things and right now it's very amped up and I feel a lot of people around me are also experiencing a lot of amped up energy and things are coming to a big point that I don't know exactly where it's going but I know it's huge and having I, I people will agree with that 100% yeah and having people like JJ Rose out there and Emily and you and I'm excited for how things are progressing in the world as far as everybody that is starting to see things in a different way that are getting the messages that they're getting and starting to think in more of uh, how do I put it not so black and white but are being open to that is not just us here. And we need to start realizing that. Um, I'm, I'm going to agree with you in, in the excitement of hearing from so many people who seem to be um, going through an awakening as well. And again, I, I say, I don't mean that in the, in the terms of wokeism at all. Um, right. But it, it, as an awakening to spiritual aspects and, and things that are going on in their lives. 
I'll right. contradict that by saying I am also terrified <laughs> as to the reason these people are going through these things because I think that the reason for it ultimately is going to be something that is um, life-altering and world-changing if if it's going in the direction that myself and several other people have been involved with this are feeling. So Yes. Yes. And and I believe you're right. I do. Um I can't talk about some topics because I don't have any information or experience on certain things. I can only talk about the things that I have been given information to talk about. And I know that sounds a little um, unclear, but you had brought up, you know, there was a big fascination with Bigfoot. And and I know that you and my daughter had discussed how funny it was that I didn't believe in Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can accept (laughs) all this other stuff, but Bigfoot is a big no for you. (laughs) And it's not that I don't believe in Bigfoot. I guess I need to reword that as I can't talk about Bigfoot because I don't have any information on that topic. So I've never had an experience that gave me information on that. And so I have nothing to say. I guess, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you're you're boiling it down to the, the, the very root of it. And, you know, you can't speak to something that you haven't experienced. So exactly. So I actually live in what you what do you call this area the hotbed of bigfoot <laughs> yeah you live you live very close to west branch which is yes. uh, they they proclaim themselves to be the bigfoot capital of michigan right and, uh, and i actually spoke at uh, west branch's bigfoot discovery days um back i think it was in early may this year okay so. well and that's funny that's so funny because early may is is very much when a lot of this happened for me where I started getting messages and opening up to different things that were coming at me that I could not ignore any longer. So I do live very close to West Branch. I spend a lot of time in the woods. My husband and I, I mean, we're surrounded by woods and we spend a lot of time in the woods. We love being in this part of Michigan. It's beautiful. And we've never, I've been out to the woods by myself. I go and I collect different plants that I use um, for holistic healing in my own home. And I would go out there by myself. I did have an experience where I was harvesting what a plant called mullen. And I heard a big grunt and I, it was not a deer. I know what a a deer grunt sounds like. I thought it was a bear. I didn't see anything, but I was startled enough to jump like from where I was. I got to my passenger side Jeep door and crawled through to the driver's side because I was too afraid (laughs) to run around. So I had that experience. And in that same day I had an experience where I was still harvesting mullein in the same area and a fox came out and stood I'm probably 20 feet from me and just stood there staring at me and we both just stared at each other for a little bit (laughs) and 
I didn't know exactly what to do. So I said, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and leave now. (laughs) (laughs) And it turned around and it ran off. And I got in my Jeep and said, you know, I'm done for the day. I don't know what else I'm going to experience. And I don't want it to be something. I'm out here. My phone doesn't work. And I need to just go home. (laughs) Like, I felt like it was like a message, you know, it's time for you to go home. So I did. And that was last fall. But I'll go back to May and um, we had an experience in our home. And we, and it was not a pleasant thing that was happening here. Um, There was a lot of tension and anger and it wasn't really between my husband and I, but um, one of his adult children and his girlfriend were living with us at a time. And there was just a lot of, a lot of anger and frustration and a lot of fighting to the point where my husband and I actually moved out of our house and into our travel trailer. <laughs> you, you left your own home and moved into a trailer because the people that were staying with you were causing it was so much so, of an issue. Yes, it was very, it was very, very heavy, dark. Well, I think energy. maybe if that were I, I would have suggested uh, maybe you pack your stuff and head out to the trailer instead of me leaving my home. <laughs> Know that I really love our travel trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like we're always camping. <laughs> so I didn't mind. Okay. And it was, you know, a place that I could get away from it because it was just, I, I've always been an empath. So I was like absorbing so much of it and I didn't know how to protect my energy. I didn't know what was happening. So going out of the house and, and getting into our own space w- was really very relieving for me, but, um, they ended up moving out and we, with the help of a friend, I cleaned out the house. I did sage work. I, you know, thought everything was great. And then some dark, small things zipped across the floor and the cat was kind of sitting there like, what was that? <laughs> oh, really? It recognized yeah. it, huh? Right. And my friend who was sitting on the couch said, did you see that? And I said, no, what did you see? And she described it to me. And instantly I got a message that said shapeshift. And this is when I reached out to June Lundgren. And she is a very interesting and amazing woman in her own right. Um, Indeed she is. And she's an author, and uh, I reached out to her, and she did not hesitate to help me at that point, too. And she had described that there was a portal that had been opened at our house. And a lot of what she told me made sense. So she removed the shapeshift dark energy that was there and closed that portal. Um, And I was very relieved. I thought, oh, great, good. Now everything's going to be fine. I was still too afraid to move back into the house. (laughs) So 
my husband is very frustrated at this point. Like, why can't we live in the house? I'm like, you can live in there. I, I don't want to be in there. <laughs> and again, I'm just a huge chicken. So I'm here one night and I'm in our camper and I'm watching TV in our bedroom in the camper. And so, yeah, it's big enough. It has two bedrooms. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it, You're camping it's nice. in style. It is. It's very nice. I got a great deal on it. <laughs> we were looking for like this small little camper that we could take camping because I couldn't deal with getting up and, you know, off the ground all the time in yeah. a tent and night. And, but we love camping. So we went and looked for, at a few campers and, and my boss at the time had been selling this one. And I was like, oh, this is way too big. Right? We can't do this. But we got a great deal on it. So we did it. And I'm glad for it now because we could totally live here forever. But um, I'm in there and I'm watching TV and I'm watching YouTube and it's about a medicinal plant that I had been led to. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But I hear outside, hey, like right in my ear, I can hear it. Hey. And I stop and I pause YouTube and I'm thinking, okay. I'm going crazy. I swear I just heard somebody say, hey, my dogs aren't going crazy. So I'm thinking, okay, there's nobody outside. And I look out the window. I don't see anybody. There's nobody around the camper. And okay, I'm just going to ignore that. And then I hear it again. Hey, (laughs) and I lose my mind right then. (laughs) (laughs) And I call my daughter and I'm like, okay, somebody just said hey to me and I'm going to lose my mind. She's like, you're fine, mom. You're fine. Don't freak out. Uh, too late. I'm freaking out. And I, I yelled at it, like, don't talk to me. And I feel really bad about that now because the girl that said hey to me never did talk to me again. Um, and Emily did pick up on her. And she was a girl that was associated with the property who had died here at a young age. She was a teenager. Oh, my. And... And it it was just really sad for me, but I was really not ready for that. And um, suddenly the world got very loud for me. Very, very loud. Explain that. I could hear everything. Like I could hear water rushing like a waterfall and I couldn't figure out where that was coming from. I could hear Native American ceremonies going on. I could hear all types of music from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, always playing, and everything was so loud. And I didn't know how to turn it down. And I didn't watch TV. I didn't listen to music because anytime I would turn the radio on or the TV on to watch something or listen to something, it would get louder. <laughs> wow. And I would go outside and I could feel the literal vibration of the earth coming through the soles of my shoes. And everything was very intense. When my husband would hug me or touch me, I could feel all of his love and emotion for me on top of what I felt for him. And it was almost too much to handle. I could hardly get through a hug because the amount of feeling I would feel from both of us was so beyond anything I'd ever felt in my life. 
And I hid myself away for 21 days straight. I didn't leave the camper. (laughs) I mean, we have water and stuff and we have everything I need in here. So it's not like I didn't shower for 21 days or anything. (laughs) But um, I I assume by the way you just made that statement, you're still living in the, in the trailer. I do. I, I don't want to go back in the house. I do go in there now, but things happen in there still. And I'm not so much afraid anymore. I just don't feel like that's my home. Oh my word. And we're actually moving from this property. Are you really? Yes. And the way that Emily described it to me in the way I understand it in my own understanding now is there is a waterway that flows under the property and that is the waterfall sound I heal here. It's like a river. Yeah. And um, so a lot of different things can come through the waterway. And I was, I would see one day I'm looking out the door of the camper and in the crack of the door, I see a little boy standing out there. And I have a very old dog, and she's a little Jack Russell Terrier, and she used to run, run, run any chance she got. So she has to be on a a leash thing that she gets tied up outside because now she's blind. (laughs) And if she runs up, she's not going to find her way home. Well, I see the little boy, and he unhooked the dog. (laughs) And it's a little Amish boy. I can tell by the way he's dressed. I can tell by his haircut. And he tells me his name is Jonah. And, you know, at this point, I'm not so fearful of talking or hearing or seeing them. Um, And Emily is, you know, Emily picked up on Jonah at first. I didn't know he was here, but she and I are having a conversation and she said, who's there with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? The dogs, the cats, what? (laughs) She says, I just heard a little boy because her baby had been crying in the background and the little boy had said, what's the baby crying for? And I was like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) you know, so Emily would tell me these things and I would freak out a little bit. And I, was still in my 21 days of not leaving and going outside when I had been introduced to Archangel Michael. He came through to me very loud and clear and he told me his name and I didn't know exactly what it was about at first. And then it clicked to me, Oh, it's Archangel Michael. And then JJ Rose 777 had said in something that she was relaying that Archangel Michael is there for people that are going through their spiritual awakening. At that time, I didn't know that. But um, so I felt just like super special that Archangel Michael was there. (laughs) And we should feel special about that. Yeah. But he told me his name and it was very loud and very booming. And I, knew for sure he was coming through to me. Um, And my mother had asked me earlier in the day to please come and help them with this 
rib festing they were doing and they have a, they have a barbecue food truck and I didn't want to do it because the world was still very loud, (laughs) but I agreed to do it for them. And I went and my mother actually had an episode during that day. It was very hot and she wasn't drinking enough water and she actually had heat stroke on a dangerous level. And um, we called an ambulance and the ambulance crew had gotten there and my mom was gray. And when she came to, she had told me that she had seen a passed over cat that she had loved and adored. And Emily sends me a message and she said, I feel like there's something wrong and are you okay? And I said, well, you know, your Mima has had this episode and she said, oh, wow, I knew something was wrong. But she said she didn't pick up on her, but she was picking up on my emotion of that day. So the next day I went to my mom's house and I was, you know, they were still at this rib fest thing. It was a week long. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to clean her house and, you know, make it super nice for when she comes home. They've been gone all week, you know, so I dusted and vacuumed and all that stuff. And my daughter has this great way of handling things because she's handled, handled everything her whole life. And she says to me while we're talking on the phone, because we talk a lot, uh, she says, um, Mima needs to cleanse her house. I'm like, I said, I'm cleaning it right now. And she said, no. She said, there's a guy in the dining room. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right where I was standing. And I had felt him touch my arm three times, and I was ignoring it. <laughs> and I lose my mind again. Like, it's very easy for me to freak out. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, she's laughing and she's like, mom, you need to calm down. And I'm like, too late. <laughs> and I'm freaking out. And so she's very careful with how she tells me things now. Because the next thing she says to me in this moment really makes me lose my mind. Uncomfortable is proud to have partnered with Manscaped. And with this, we are offering 20% off your purchase at manscaped.com when you use the code uncomfortable22. As a sponsor, Manscaped has provided me with their performance package 4.0. So I might give you, the listener, my honest opinion about their products. What they didn't realize is I've been using their products since the release of the Lawnmower 2.0 a few years ago. I love this company's products. Thank you to Manscaped for upgrading me to the new Lawnmower 4.0. The Lawnmower 4.0 shows off their new skin-safe technology that all but eliminates the possibility of nicks and scrapes in those squatchy areas. The 600 milliamp battery allows for up to 90 minutes of use between charges, so once you've knocked down that uncomfortable overgrowth, it's time to freshen things up down there with a couple of spritzes of Manscaped Crop Reviver with aloe and witch hazel extracts to help protect and soothe. Then finally, a couple of dabs of Crop Preserver deodorant to help keep you dry, reduce chafing, and make you smell like a well-groomed biped. I use these products daily, my friends, and believe me when I say, your boys will thank you. The kit also comes with the rechargeable weed whacker. The weed whacker makes short work of annoying nose and ear hair. With the purchase of the Platinum or Performance packages, you will also receive two free gifts valued at over $59. That includes the Manscaped Premium Stretch Anti-Chafing Boxers and the Shed, a perfectly sized travel bag to house all of your Manscaped products, Whether things got a little too hairy during your last expedition, or you just want to look and feel your best for that next ET visitation or full-figured apparition, go to manscaped.com and use the promo code UNCOMFORTABLE22 
for 20% off your next purchase. Your balls will thank you. She said, there's a man there in the dining room and he has a big gash in his neck. And I am just beside myself freaking out. <laughs> and um, she's like, he's not going to hurt you. He's just very curious about you because he knows that you felt him touch your arm. And I, and I said, yes, I did. And then I felt him, like his actual energy, like hug me. And... And I'm like, why is he touching me? And she said, well, he feels bad. He scared you. Oh, he's trying to comfort you. <laughs> yeah, so he was trying to comfort me. He felt really bad because I really did lose my mind. And um, so he was very depleted in energy and was confused of where he was and why he was there. And, and he had not crossed over, obviously. And so I said, okay, well, we've got to figure out how to help. And, and this is the two of us are very new at this whole experience. Um, and so I said, okay, you stay here and I'll be back in a few days when I figure out how to help you. Well, he did not decide to stay there. He like latched onto me and I could feel him instantly when I got in my Jeep. And I told Emily, I said, yeah, he's here with me. And she didn't respond to me. <laughs> well, I could see he was hanging out in my Jeep for like three days. <laughs> he just stayed there for some reason. Really? Yes. And I was meditating the best I can because I'm not great at meditation. Because I have a hard time concentrating on that. Um, but he did come through to me. And I, he was very kind in when he revealed himself to me, he had like a handkerchief around his neck wound. <laughs> oh my. So I would not freak out because I was very clear that that would really freak me out. Yeah. And I actually asked Archangel Michael because that was the only one I knew to go to, to help me help him cross over. And I asked Archangel Michael to please help him cross over. And I talked to this man with the neck wound, which we were calling neck wound guy for a while. And I got his name was John. And so I said to him, John, Archangel Michael is going to help you cross over because I don't know how to do that. And I know that's something you want, so please don't be afraid because he's going to help you. And Emily did confirm to me that he took a walk with Archangel Michael out into the woods surrounding our property and crossed over. So that was wonderful and, and lovely, and, <laughs> and he was gone. But while Emily and I were talking, and I had not mentioned Archangel Michael to Emily yet, and this is still at my mother's house while we're cleaning. Mm -hmm. I'm cleaning. <laughs> and uh, she's, we're talking about what had transpired with my mom the day before. She said somebody was with her the entire time named Michael. And I was just overwhelmed. Oh my. And I said, Emily, that's Archangel Michael. And she said, yeah, he, she was very, she was crossing over mom. 
And I said, I know I could, I could see it and I could feel it at that moment. I was very, very distraught because I knew my mom was leaving. Wow. And uh, it wasn't her time. So she can't, she was brought back. And uh, I tried to explain that to my mom and she was very not wanting to hear any of it, which is okay. That's understandable, you know? And um, in that same moment, I had gotten a message through Emily from my dad. And my dad had passed away when I was 25 years old. It was very sudden. It was a car accident. And I was really not ready for that one at all. And it was something that I had a hard time getting through and grieving through. And I would always say for years, oh, if my dad were here, this wouldn't be happening. And I didn't realize at the time that because I was doing that, it was kind of holding him in a, in a pattern of he couldn't progress as a soul. And the reason I say that is the day my dad died, it was Thanksgiving Day in 2000, and Emily was four, and Ashley was two, and he had come to me in a dream, and I was sitting in his room, and he was so surprised to see me and happy to see me, and he said, what are you doing here? I didn't expect to see you. And I said, Dad, uh, we have to we have to plan your funeral. And he looked very shocked at me. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you died in a car accident. And um, he was very distraught. And he said, but I wasn't a good enough father. And I'm like, you were a great father. You were a great father. And then he went to, my mother had a dream that same night. And they were not married. I mean, they'd been divorced since I was four. Yeah. And um, he said, you know, Becky just told me that I had died. And she said, you did, Joe, you died. And he said, but I wasn't a good enough father. And he kept saying that, like he said it to me, he said it to my mom. And I told my mom about the dream the next day. And she had said, I had basically the same dream about him. And so I, so through the years of me saying, you know, this wouldn't be happening if my dad were here, I wasn't allowing him to progress and do the things he needed to do. And I learned at that moment that, you know, that was, you know, I didn't intend to do that, but when we don't handle our grief, it kind of puts them in a place that they can't move on in their soul work. Right. Grieving, grieving is a very selfish, uh, a very selfish act. And and I don't don't mean that in a a mean way, but we don't realize that it is, it is a very selfish construct to the past of a loved one. Yeah. So when I was going through this whole transformation and an awakening and I was realizing these things and realizing, oh no, none of this had, you know, my life choices had nothing to do with my dad's death and the things that were happening in my life had nothing to do with my dad not being here. And I was accepting that instead of, you know, Oh, poor me, poor me type of deal. Um, 
and facing that, you know, hey, my own choices in life led me to each step here and I have free will and it has nothing to do with him not being here. And I had always feared from the time I was 25 and he was gone because he was 47 when he died. I was terrified I wasn't going to make it through my 47th year. And the reason for that was because when his dad died, my dad was 25 and I was four and my sister was two. And when my dad died, I was 25 and my girls were four and two. Oh, wow. So Emily was 25. When she turned 25, I was 47. Right. Yeah. And her kids weren't really the same age, but I was still fearful. I wasn't going to make it through 47. I thought I was going to be done. It was it. I was going to die. And I had this unrealistic thought the whole time. And that day that my mother had that incident happen, Emily had sent me a message and she said, Hey, I got a message from your dad. And it said, he is so happy that you surpassed him in time. And I knew exactly what she meant because I had been, I was still 47, but now Emily had turned 26. I was a lot farther along in my 47th year than my dad was. And I did, I had surpassed that and I could let go of that fear. And when I let go of all of that, my dad was able to move on and, and progress. And now I actually feel my dad around me again because he was kind of like stuck in this school of, you know, trying to make things right. And he was feeling guilty about leaving us when I held him in that guilt inadvertently. Yeah. I, I understand uh, wholeheartedly the feeling that you were experiencing and the reason I, I had that myself was that both of my grandparents, uh, both my grandfathers had passed away, um, at the age of 50 or, or earlier. Um, mm -hmm. one was, uh, heart related issues. Uh, the other one, uh, was a bit of a womanizer from what I hear. And, uh, smoked and drank pretty heavily and, you know, didn't necessarily live a, a very good, clean life. Um, they both died when I was very, very young, uh, within my first year or two. And I have really no memory of that. And then I lost my dad at age 50. Um, so I had a, I had a, I had a ticking time bomb. Uh, there was there was a countdown clock in my head for a number of years yeah. that I was I was extremely I was extremely fearful of of the age fifty um, yeah because I I literally thought that there was a a time bomb and and it was gonna it was gonna count down <laughs> to to zero and uh, you know so seven years later. Um, I'm still here. I'm still kicking and my life has actually gotten, uh, progressively better, um, since then. So, you know, I don't know that that has any bearing on it, but I do, I can, I can definitely understand that, uh, that, that creeping sensation of, yeah. of coming up on that age and, and wondering if your, your time is, 
limited. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, before then and before this whole transformation I've gone through since May, I would have probably been fearful to go, but now I'm pretty cool with where I'm at. And, um, if it were to happen, I would be okay. And, um, I do believe my children would be okay. I'm not, I don't fear death anymore where I did for so long. And one of the biggest lessons I learned through all of this was how we treat people. And one of the biggest things I had to face, because they say, you know, you have to face the darkest parts of yourself when you're going through um, this transformation. And one of the biggest things I had to face was how trauma from my past and the experiences I had were affecting how I treated other people. And to be able to admit to that is, is like very, (laughs) it's surreal. I'm just going to say that because you never want to face the ugly parts of yourself and how the information was given to me and how I received it. It was when we finally do leave this human experience and we have to go and face what we've done here and what we've learned, it'll be like a movie and we're going to watch that movie, but we're going to watch it from other people's perspectives as well as our own and how those actions or words or what we did affected other people. And we're going to have to feel it on their level. And at that point I said to myself, I don't want to see any hurt or ugliness that I have caused for another human being beyond this point. Cause I can't do anything about what I've done. I'm going to have to face all of that, but I don't want to make my movie any more hurtful than it has been so far. So I really did a lot of inner work and learning how to control, um, how I looked at things, how the outside world, was affecting me and how I was using that information and processing it. And I started processing it in a different, more positive way. So I don't look at things so negatively anymore. I look at it as, okay, everything is happening for a reason. I'm going to take this information. I'm going to use it as a um, lesson or a teaching point. And I'm going to see how I can make this, into something positive. Um, I'm not saying that the world doesn't have a lot of ugliness in it because it, it really does. But when you come from a place of love and you try to look at it from that perspective and you know that, you know, there's a lot of influences out there that are beyond our control and that this human or these humans are just being influenced by whatever is affecting them at at that time. And we can't control how they react to that stuff. And you just hope that with your positivity and your light, that you can maybe change that a little bit, you know, if you can reach one person. That's a really good message. Yeah. So that was the biggest 
transformation I feel I've had. And, and it was really nice to see my children notice it and my husband notice it. And I'm not the person I was a year ago. And I'm really grateful for that. (laughs) You know, I wasn't awful, but I wasn't great, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, anybody listening to this, I think if you, if you take a good, hard, serious look at what kind of person you are uh, in every aspect of your life, I think everybody would agree, uh, maybe not verbally or out loud, that uh, they've got some work to do. Yes. And you know what? And that's absolutely okay. Because we are here to learn as much as we can. And we are here to help each other get to this one goal. And I think that is for everybody to realize that you know, we're, we are all one. We're all intertwined together. We come from a creator and we are all in this together and we don't have to be enemies and we don't have to be hateful and fighting. And that, that is why I believe so many are going through an awakening at once because something big is culminating. And that brings me to the point of the episode, the very lengthy four and a half hour episode, (laughs) (laughs) which has tons of great information. And I would suggest that anybody who has started it, it did take me a few days to get through it, but the, you got to get through to the end because that is where a lot of the meat and potatoes comes in. And a lot of valuable points come in is in that last part, that last half. And there was something, and I believe it was Tony that touched on that we are being readied and we're going to be on the front line. And I do believe that. I do believe that's why there are so many awakening right now. I believe that is why there are so many people transforming into these light beings that are here to help the world see things from a better and more positive perspective because there is going to be something that we are here to fight. And I don't know what it is. I I don't. I, I don't have that answer. I just know that we're being ready for something, and that is my feeling of why so many are awakening so quickly and all at once. It does seem to be... You know, and this, this, you know, from the standpoint of looking at it for what it is, um, this could just be something that it's become a popular topic and people are jumping on board and everybody is, oh, I'm having an awakening. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, playing the devil's advocate and right. I'm, get, I'm getting to the point where I don't like using that devil's advocate anymore because yeah, I think there's some more truth to that than it just being yeah. a, a saying, but, um, you know, it, it does seem <laughs> on the outside, it does seem that a large number of people are starting to go through a, uh, a new realization, uh, a self self realization that, um, changes are, are happening and, and, 
that, that it's necessary for their personal outlook to to evolve as well. Right. I think that, well, this is what I'm going to, I'm very firm on this belief. If you're having an awakening, you definitely know it. It's not fun. It's, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. And it is something that makes you question your sanity. I, I really thought I was going to have to go to a psych ward because of everything that was happening to me, how drastically my beliefs were changing from what I've known my entire life. And so I don't think people, I mean, there's probably some out there that are saying that they're going through an awakening that are really not. I, you know, I'm sure there's some out there, but you're going to see it in people that I've noticed that I can see it in people when they are going through an awakening. I can see in people I don't know very well at all, or I just meet, I just kind of pick up on it. I, I, by things they say, or just their, the way they carry themselves, you can see, and everybody I've talked to has felt the same way. They feel like they're going crazy. And, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, what is happening to me? Is this a midlife crisis? What, what is happening right now? I'm losing my mind. And I was so lucky that I was connected to somebody who totally could understand me and knew me very well. And that was Emily Mm -hmm. who helped me through the entire thing. And I'm still going through it. I mean, there's, there's still days I, I get information and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I am really going over, over the deep end now. (laughs) And that will bring me to, um, the, point I got to where I was suddenly so fearful of being abducted by aliens and I had no idea why I was feeling this way. I not really thought of being abducted by aliens ever in my life. Um, and because I always thought I was dreaming of leprechauns. Um, <laughs> but I actually had an experience. I was waking up And my husband would be sleeping next to me, and there was, like, a void of noise. So there was zero noise in our room. And the fan is going, because I sleep with a fan, for noise. I could hear no animals outside, and I would be able to hear frogs and crickets and things like that. And, And there's no noise. There's the fan. I can feel the fan is on. I can hear nothing but like this void it's like the most quiet i've ever like you're in a vacuum yes exactly so it's and this is repeatedly happening um not every night but a few times a month i'm noticing this is happening and now it gets to this point where i'm so freaking afraid to go to sleep because I have a feeling it's coming tonight, right? Whatever this is, and I'm terrified, and I'm begging my husband to not let me get taken by aliens, and he is like, you're losing your shit. You need to pull it together. (laughs) 
Like, he's, like, very concerned for me at this point, and I can understand, and I am, like, I'm sorry, please don't put me in a psych ward, you know, but I'm, I, I am expressly fearful. I'm so fearful that it's beyond anything I've ever felt in the realm of fear. And so something happens, and it's not when I'm sleeping. I'm awake. And I hear a voice, and the voice is telling me to concentrate on my breathing because I do have the tendency to hold my breath when I'm afraid. And, I mean, it happens in the dentist chair. It happens anytime I'm afraid. <laughs> I hold my breath. And I can hear this soothing voice of a woman coming through, and she's telling me to breathe. And she's like, concentrate on your breathing. And she's helping me. And she said, you're going to experience something now, and I'm going to be here with you the whole time, and I want you to concentrate on breathing, and nothing bad is going to happen to you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I feel other beings around me. I can't see them at all. It's like I am in my world, in my camper. It's you know, evening, but it's not dark or anything. And I am having this experience and I'm being reassured it's okay, that I'm not crazy. And I said, why can't I see you? And they told me, well, your psyche is very delicate. <laughs> and I laughed because I know I can't handle things. And, um, they said, you're doing great, though, but we know that you are very fearful, and we want to relax that fear, okay? And I can hear things going on, and I, I ask certain questions, like, are, are you taking my husband, too? Because I was thinking that they were taking him, because he was always in the vacuum void of sound. And they said, no, we're not taking him. And I said, okay. And um, I said, are you experimenting on me? And they said, no. <laughs> and I, I could feel work being done on certain areas of my body. And because I would feel pressure like on my arm, my forearm, on the inside, I could feel pressure there. And it would be very, very cold. And, and I would ask, are, are you doing something to my arm right now? And they said, yes. And I could feel it in my, my head a lot. And they said, well, what are you doing to me? And I would be reminded to breathe because now I'm starting to panic. And they said, we are fixing what has been done to your DNA. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. What? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, right? I'm losing my mind. And they're telling me this. And they're reminding me to remain calm. And I'm remembering every single second of what's happening. I feel the cold. I feel the pressure. I know where they're working in my body. And it's different parts of my body they're working on. And then I hear, like, this machine, like, um, like a tool, like a, like a drill or a saw or something. And now I'm panicking again. I'm like, you're not using that on me, are you? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, this, this isn't for you. There are, and, and they told me there are two types of people 
and two types of experiences that these two different groups go through. And I'm in one group. And then there's other groups that do have physical um, things that happen to them. And, and that I, I didn't really ask too much about that because I wasn't part of that group. Um, I can understand completely why people are fearful of being in that other group because it sounds horrible. It did sound awful to me, the machinery I heard, because everything that was being done to me was very silent. Um, I could just feel things. It was uncomfortable. It wasn't, um, it wasn't painful though. It was just cold pressure and, and I could tell I was being worked on and that there was things done in my DNA that they were correcting. Um, I don't know what they meant by that completely, but I felt like whatever is being put in our food or in the vaccines that we're given as children had something to do with it. So <clears throat> this goes on and I am still just trying to keep my, my mind focused on what's happening in the moment because I'm very much prone to panic and this sweet loving voice is still with me telling me to breathe and everything's okay. And that this, I, then I said, when are you going to show me who you are? And they told me, I'm not ready. I'm definitely not ready to see them because I won't be able to handle it. And, and I believed that. I totally believe that. And, um, I feel this has been happening my whole life um, and that my fear was because I couldn't understand and I had blocked it off so I did, wasn't remembering, but I, I was starting to realize it was happening. And so I was so fearful that I was going to be taken and experimented on when there's no reason for me to be fearful. I, I can't speak for the other group of people. I do believe that there are good and there are bad out there. And whatever I encountered was not bad. And they were not trying to hurt me. They were trying to help me. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, and I am no longer afraid of what else is out there? I'm not afraid. Um, I do feel like I have a lot of backup here as far as protection. And I meet more and more people every day that help me through things. And I know they're there having my back whenever I feel I am, you know, not strong enough. But as far as I don't feel that we're abducted, <laughs> I feel like we have experiences with them, but not, I don't feel I'm abducted. Okay. I'm not saying that other people are not because I believe other people have had their experiences and it's not been great. But I also, like I said, I think there's good ones and I think there's bad ones. And I have, this experience was not bad. I have encountered other things in 
in flesh that are not good. And I can tell you about those. There's two actual physical experiences that I had. Well, not physical touching or anything, but I saw with my eyes two beings that were not from here out in public. And one was way back in the mid nineties. I'm thinking about 1998 is because I had just bought a, a new truck and it was a 1998. Um, and I was in my truck and I was down in Sturgis, Michigan. And I was like at a, like a, there was like a traffic accident or something that had blocked the road off where traffic was backed up. And the car in front of me, there was a person. I couldn't, I can't tell. It didn't have a gender to me. I didn't see a gender. Really? I just saw this driver of this vehicle in front of me look into their side mirror right at me. And I knew instantly that it was not human. It didn't feel anything like a human at all to me. It had features that resembled a human, like, but the movement it made when it looked in that mirror was so rigid and so fast that I just had this overwhelming feeling and it just stared right at right into my eyes like it was very uncomfortable and I didn't tell very many people about that experience because I, anytime I told anybody they're like oh okay whatever you know <laughs> <laughs> well let's fast forward to 2020 and I was in um my vehicle and my husband was pumping gas and we're at a gas station in Beaverton Michigan and this being that was supposed to resemble a female um, and very much looked like a female, but again, it was the movement of, and this one was walking. So I got the whole full body view of this and the, the movement it made while walking and it stopped whipped its head around so fast to look at me through the windshield of my vehicle. And I heard it say to me in my mind, we know, you know, but you're not supposed to know. And it felt very to the point, very like, Hey, you're on the radar and you need to just ignore this type of feeling. And I was just like stunned and my stepson who was quite young, I, he was about 10 at the time. He said, what is wrong with that person? I said, what do you mean? Why is that person moving like that? Oh, so he was aware of it as well. Yes. And my stepdaughter was in the vehicle too. And she didn't see, she was, what do you mean? They're just walking like a normal person. And then I'm just like, oh man, you know, like, okay, so I'm not crazy. I know I saw, I didn't voice it out loud. I was pretty terrified actually to say anything. And I just knew it was not 
it was definitely, it was like, it was pretending to be one of us, but some of us can see through that. And I could see through it and my stepson could see through that. And it was, it did not feel welcoming and it did not feel happy that I knew. So what, you, so what do you think the difference is between the experience that you had where, you know, they were doing corrective DNA uh, um, therapy on you uh, <laughs> th through those, those entities that you were, you were experiencing. What do you think the difference is between them and, and what you noticed that was so disturbing about the other two that you saw? The key difference was the approach of, how I was feeling. So the ones that were doing the work on me were very concerned about making sure my psychological health stayed intact. Okay. Yeah. The other was far more concerned that I knew it was different and that I could tell, and it did not care that its message to me was threatening because that's how it came across threatening. It did not care about my psychological health in any way. That is the big difference I see. And that experience at that gas station was what really triggered my fear of something else is here and, and, and I don't want to be taken by that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I don't know what they're here for. I don't know what that other group is here for. The helpful group, I do believe, is is here to correct what what we have allowed to be done to us biologically. Do you think there's any thread to... those recent experiences and, and witnessing those odd moving entities and the ones that were doing what they were doing to you to the other things that you've experienced in your life. Do you think there is a common thread that runs between what you, you suppose as extraterrestrial uh, interactions yeah. to the spiritual stuff that you've, you've experienced? I do. Um, I think the more, um, that I've been allowing myself to open up, um, to the experiences I have been experiencing recently, I believe that my openness to it and that there is something big coming, like I said before, and mm -hmm. how, Tony had pointed out of being on the front lines. I think we're getting readied for something big. And I don't think that a lot of people are going to have a choice in whether they are awakened or not. I don't think anybody has a choice. It's if it, if you're meant to go through it, you're going to go through it. And you are definitely pinpointed or singled out to be on that front line. So 
uh, I think a year ago, if I had heard your podcast and not had gone through what I'd gone through, I probably would have been like, Ooh, this is low woo woo for me, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's time is of the essence and we're giving inform we're getting information and we are supposed to be piecing these things together and, and aligning together. And that's why so many people are coming to you, I think, and through you because you've got the voice to put it out there. You know, and, and that's a, you know, we, we talked about this mm -hmm. before we started recording mm -hmm. and it's a difficult thing for me to wrap my head around because I don't have, um, I don't have an ego associated with this, uh, this show. Right. I, I don't, I've, I never started doing this to, to become a personality. I've never, you know, that's, that's never been the goal between, um, all of the, the various reasons of why I enjoy doing this or decided to do it. Um, it was simply to get to talk to people hear hear their experiences, um, be able to validate some of the experiences that I've had in my life. And, and that, and up until this point, that's, you know, it's always been a, goal of mine to not be judgmental to not discount and to remain very open to other people's experiences sometimes it's very hard to wrap your head around sometimes sometimes changes my beliefs sometimes it strengthens my beliefs. Um, sometimes I am quite honestly not at all on board with what they're saying, but hearing that and understanding their thoughts helps gives me a, a different perspective when I can look at something from a variety of different views. Um, right. So even though I don't necessarily always agree with it does give me the opportunity to look at it from a different perspective and understand why it makes sense to them. And to me, that's been a, a, a very eye-opening experience and I enjoy that. I think it's, it's made me a well, more well-rounded um, brain. Uh, I'm not going to say a person because I don't think it really affects how I behave or act with people, but I think it allows my brain to, to function at a higher level when I'm thinking about these things, at least for myself personally. Right. Um, and, you know, somebody made the comment to me. In fact, I, I believe it was JJ um, that, you know, because the, the weird stuff that, that took place during that epic uh, four and a half hour um, podcast, uh, the trip down there. I had a number of things that really just kind of went sideways in a very non-obvious way. Um, 
and I, I ask, you know, why, why me, of all people, somebody who is not, um, not putting themselves out there with, you know, trying to be a personality, not trying to um, be something I'm not, not trying to create uh, this massive uh, media empire or anything, you know, why me? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm literally nobody, <laughs> um, you know. And she, she mentioned my voice. And yeah. when she said that, I was taking it figuratively because I was, I, I wanted to argue with it. It's like, I'm not that, the show is not that big. <laughs> you know, it's not that big. It's not getting out to that many people. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of the number of listeners that I have. And I'm, I'm floored by the support that the show gets. But in the big picture, there are podcasts that far surpass mine. Um, I'm not even, I'm not even like worthy of being grouped in with the likes of, you know, the confessionals or Sasquatch Chronicles or any of that. That's not even a, that's not even an area of conversation. (laughs) But then she says, no, you have to look at it from both the figurative and the literal. And right. I'm like, you know, well, what about my literal voice? And, you know, she went on to explain, you know, even though the show's called Uncomfortable, that I have a apparently very inviting way of talking to people and uh, people are comforted by the tone of my voice and and the way I handle conversations and interviews. And she said that, you know, it's, it's a double edged sword because people are attracted to your show because of your voice and the things that they are saying are being heard by others because of the voice of the show. And I was kind of like, Oh shit. That makes sense. Yeah. I actually, I think in my initial email to you had also stated that as well. Yeah. Um, because that's how I felt too. And I think I told you there have been, um, other programs I've been wanting to listen to because I feel there's some valuable information, but I can't get past certain voices where I can go on and listen to it. So she's very spot on with that. And I totally agree. And that's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around. It really is. It's, and I guess it's maybe because I don't have an ego um, as far as this, of what we're doing here. Right. What I'm doing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic when I start thinking about it that way, because I'm, I'm not used to looking at myself or anything I do in that light. Does that make any sense? It makes tons of sense. <laughs> it makes tons of sense. Yes. But I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. I am thankful for it. And I'm not going to quit. I mean, it's, it's, uh, (laughs) you know, it's coming up uh, February 14th will be two full years. I don't know. I'm, I'm floored by the, the number of people that reach out to me, um, on, on all the different topics. Um, but here as of late, the, the spiritual thing 
has kind of taken on a, a life of its own. And like I said, it's not something that I, um, I focus solely on, uh, on any one topic. Um, I've always tried to provide a, a variety of things and for some reason they kind of come in clusters and it, for a long time it was Bigfoot. And now all of a sudden <laughs> it's, it's the spiritual awakening stuff and, not to take anything away from the significance of, of people having Bigfoot experiences. Um, this seems really important. And it I, is very I, important. I can't, <laughs> I can't put my finger on it to save my life. I, I can't. Um, but I do know since this has started to happen, I have started to have experiences that, are kind of rocking my world a little bit and really making me focus on things that I didn't necessarily pay attention to before. And that scares me because when you use the, the term, the devil's in the details, yeah. <laughs> um, I start to, I start to, because I've been very focused on the events of the trip down to Tennessee. Yes. And like to the point where I'm dissecting, I'm going through my phone, I'm looking for timestamps of text messages and phone calls and where I was at places that I knew exactly where I was at at specific times. And uh, it doesn't make sense. There's There's things that do not make sense to me. But when you they get, will. when you get through <laughs> when you get through that, four and a half hour episode, um, I, I detail a, a number of them. Yeah. And even since then, we're, we're looking at, uh, two full weeks since the recording of that episode, I believe. Yes. 10 days. No, I'm sorry. Um, 14 days, two full weeks since the recording of that episode. Um, Everything is still weird. A lot of things still don't line up. Um, I have discovered that the, uh, the, the weirdness in time uh, that I experienced it happened at a point that I did not think it was happening. Um, right. it, actually, it actually happened in the first leg of my journey and and my experience there down at the Lexington uh, exit was what I saw there. I think was a a message or an indication that something had already happened, and yes. and that it was okay, and it was you're where you're supposed to be, and everything is just the way it's supposed to be. So don't freak out about it. Um, up until that point, which was very recent, like maybe two days ago, um, I was thinking that everything weird that happened had happened from that point on to the end of my journey, um, which indeed there were a number of odd things that happened from that point on, but those were all related to other people involved, not yeah. to me. So right. that, that first leg of the journey is, is where, and you know, I mean, typically if I'm driving by myself, I love loud music. 
anybody who knows me knows I love loud music. And people have always told me, you, you wouldn't say, huh, so much if you didn't listen to your music so loud. And it's, it's probably true. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I tend to, on a long drive, especially like when I'm going to visit my kids, two-hour drive, I'm always listening to a podcast. Or, yeah. you know, or I'll pull up a YouTube video and listen to that while I'm, while I'm driving. Um, this, this day, for whatever reason, I was perfectly okay with being alone in my head and just, you know, thinking things through and not necessarily about anything in particular. I just didn't have a desire to listen to any music. I didn't have a desire to listen or catch up on any of my favorite podcasts, nothing like that. I just was in my head. And yeah. That is is a very unusual thing. I don't yeah. typically do that, <laughs> and something happened, and I yeah. still to this day I have no idea what it was. I don't know that I ever will, um, but it's leading to something. I agree. I do. I agree with that, and I think you're going to experience that more in your head, um, more often as time goes on. Yeah, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not closed off to it. I'm not, I'm not upset that it's happened, or that it's happening. Um, but again, it's not, it's not anything that I went into this with the idea that. Oh yeah this is the road I want to go down. <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to talk to people about other weird experiences. And now, um, maybe I, I, I have to open up, <laughs> open up a little bit and, and be a little more accepting of, uh, if you're going to talk about these things, you probably ought to experience them as well. So <laughs> that could be, I, be careful what you wish for, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get that impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rebecca, uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, we had a couple of phone calls prior to this, and, and they were a joy as well. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm very happy for you that uh, you've gotten to the point in your life where this has become something that you are open about and, and willing to talk to people about and, and want to help people with. Um, I do. I do want to help people. Um, that's why I wanted to get my message out there because somebody who was so closed off for so long and to be able to step out of the place I was so comfortable living inside myself, um, to be able to share these experiences as crazy as they may seem. <laughs> um, Cause I'm not a crazy person and I think it can happen to anybody and it will happen to anybody it's meant to happen to. Mm. Are you at all open to, cause, cause I can tell, I can tell already by the, the tone of how you handle yourself during this interview uh, or this conversation. Um, there are going to be a number of people that contact me and say, oh, my God, I love Rebecca. Is there, <laughs> is there any way I can get in touch with her? Um, and I know that you don't profess yourself as being somebody like in um, in the same manner as like JJ, who is extremely, right. extremely <laughs> open to helping people and and anything like that. Or is there 
This is what I can say. I will help in any way I can. Like I said, I, I will never mislead anybody into thinking that I can help them with experiences I have no knowledge of. So, um, I do feel I've got a lot of, of information to help people. Um, they, they can reach out to me, um, through you, I guess. (laughs) Um, I, I, and then, you know, we can discuss on how I'll go forward with that. If I'll give my email address or whatnot, um, or if they want to leave um, their contact information with you and I can get back through that way. Sure. Um, I might have to set up a different email account. Probably, probably a good idea. Yeah. Cause my husband shares mine <laughs> with me and he's going to be like, oh, I can't deal with all these emails. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd no, probably be but... a good idea on your part to go ahead after we get off the phone here and uh, you go ahead and get yourself an email set up because I got a feeling that you're going to hear from some people. Um, yes. And I am working on a few other things that are currently happening within me. Um, and, and, it, I, it goes along with the medicine man thing. And I do feel that is part of my path, um, to be a healer. And I have already experienced some things where I have proof I can heal, um, energetically. Um, that's something I'm still working on though. And so I didn't talk a whole lot about that, but, um, that's also something that's in the works and in the future, you know, maybe you and I can discuss where that's gone sure. and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time and eventually reaching out to me. Uh, like I said, <laughs> I, I had a feeling that at some point we would have a conversation and uh, I'm thrilled that we, we ended up being able to do so. Yes. Um, keeping it in the family. Yes. <laughs> my daughter is my inspiration and has become my teacher and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, people, if you want to, if you want to go back and revisit, or in case you have not heard those episodes, um, third time's a charm and the Hulkwin files are the episodes with Rebecca's daughter, Emily, um, both really good episodes, oddly enough. And I guess I have to touch on this because of this massive four and a half hour episode that we did, uh, with the whole thing going down into Tennessee with, uh, Tony Merkel and the confessionals and all those gentlemen. Um, the whole reason that we ended up having to take a look at what was going on was because every time Joel Thomas was on our episodes, respectively, we had, uh, enormous amount of electronic interference, malfunctions, failures. And I do have to say that that hasn't happened in a lot of episodes that I've had. Right. But, but (laughs) it did happen with your daughter, Emily, in our first, um, our first episode, third times a charm. Hence the name third time's a charm because it took us three times to get that show to the point where it was going to be available to put out for people to listen to. Um, Same type of things, an extraordinary uh, amount of electronic interferences, 
failures and disruptions. Um, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't understand why that happens when talking about certain certain topics. Um, but it is becoming very apparent to me that um, other forces can affect the electronics and when they don't want something to be heard or they are trying to draw attention to things that are being said uh, they can manifest in in that manner so um, again I I say this a lot there seems to be these uh, threads of continuity and tendrils of synchronicity that run throughout many of my different episodes into others and and the way guests are related to others um it's it's just weird and the strange thing is that emily and i had not heard from each other for a a pretty good chunk of time and once all this stuff started happening with joel and uh, the other episodes the other podcasts um, Emily kind of popped back up into the scene and I was like, that's kind of weird because you are the person that I started having these kind of issues with way back a year ago. And what's the relation to that? And then all of a sudden, boom, I get an email from you and it's like completely and directly related to the things that we've been talking about and culminated with this last episode. So yes, uh, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird, and the word gets reused and overused a lot lately. Uh, yeah, synchronicities, um, but they they seem to be abounding with yeah. with what I've been doing lately. So absolutely. All right, dear, we're at the two hour mark again. It was a it was wonderful oh. talking with you. Please stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, that's it for tonight. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. Share the show. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with coworkers. Anyone you know who likes podcasts or the paranormal. The more listeners make for more experiencers. And if you've had an experience or have a story that you would like to have shared on Uncomfortable, please reach out to me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com or message me on Instagram or Facebook. Honestly, I don't pay much attention to Facebook now. Instagram seems to be the way that most people get a hold of me, so I would suggest either email the show or message me on Instagram. So until next time, my friends, stay uncomfortable. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.